0: This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to all elders past, present, and emerging and honour their history, cultures, and traditions of storytelling. Hello, and welcome to Pep Talk. I'm Caroline Hugel, your host and chief cheerleader. first-hand the value of a good pep talk. After more than two decades in the corporate world across Sydney, London and New York, I remain grateful for the pep talks that gave me perspective, confidence and helped steer me in the right direction. The pep talk podcast will give you the nudge you didn't know you needed in around 10 minutes, enough time to take a quick walk around the block while you're listening. It shares advice, experience and wise counsel from brilliant women connected to the world of media, communications and the arts. The first series of Pep Talk recognises the wonderful organisation, Fitted for Work, a not-for-profit that helps disadvantaged women get work and keep it, through mentorship and other work readiness programs. Fitted for Work's social enterprise, SheWorks, offers a recruitment solution for creating diverse workforces. You can find out more at fittedforwork.org. I'm thrilled Annabelle Hickson is providing our Pep Talk today. I've had the pleasure of knowing Annie since high school days and have admired her work and her writing for a long time. A city girl through and through, Annie started her writing career as a news reporter for The Australian in the early 2000s. During a placement in Brisbane, she was swept off her feet by handsome farmer Ed and her life quite literally changed forever. She now lives on the second largest pecan orchard in Australia, or the middle of nowhere, as she describes it. Her words, not mine. What blows me away about Annie is what she's built from nothing. In the last five years, she's been a columnist with Country Style Magazine, co-created a podcast called Dispatch to a Friend and published a book, A Tree in the House, which has been translated into German, Dutch and Chinese. She's done all these things from the middle of nowhere. In 2020, when the world was closing down and print was being decimated, she launched Galar, an award-winning printed cultural magazine for people who care about regional Australia. It's stunning. Over three issues a year, Galar celebrates regional Australia and the creative, diverse and innovative people who live there. I believe it's her love letter to the life she discovered when she moved to the country. So what does it take to start something from scratch? How do you get motivated when you feel disconnected from everything? Annie has overcome numerous barriers, including shonky Wi-Fi, and built success when it felt impossible. Annie. Hello, Caro. Um, I have known you a very long time. I'm going to start at the very beginning and I want to ask you a question about what you wanted to be when you grew up.
1: Well, I was always envious of people who have very clear, very sure ideas of what they wanted to be. To be sure about anything is something <laughs> that I still long for. But if I sort of think back to it, I liked the idea of being a writer. I liked the idea of being surrounded by books and other people writing so yeah let's just say I wanted to be a writer.
0: What do you sort of feel has been a massive obstacle you've had to overcome?
1: I think the biggest shift for me was sort of shifting from a a kind of institutionalized employee to someone who you know to more of an entrepreneur and someone who kind of worked for myself I mean I think I was I've always been very good in systems you know I was a good student I was a good Um, employee. I'd work very hard. I love to sort of be given tasks and I just do my best to do really well at them. So shifting over to someone who kind of creates their own work and creates their own opportunity, that was massive for me. And it really took me a few years. Like I am not a natural businesswoman and I'm not a natural entrepreneur. So that, yeah, that was the biggest shift.
0: How have you adapted
1: well, I adapted out of desperation, you know, because I had to, because I, I really did not want to do the books for my husband's farming business. I just, I didn't. And out of desperation comes wonderful things. Um, so I, I sort of felt like I was forced into, and I just felt like I was drowning, you know, in a sea of dom- domesticity. Uh, you know, I, I've got three kids and they were young then, and I just, I, I just couldn't work out how to keep afloat unless... I had work that felt meaningful to me. So, I, you know, what's that Anais Nin quote? That it's something like pain of the bud not bursting becomes greater than the pain of bursting. I mean, sorry, Anais Nin, but that's something like that. And it just felt so true. It just kind of had to happen. You know, like everything, like when you're writing, your first draft is always terrible. It's always terrible. Brilliant works started off with terrible first drafts. So at the beginning, my own, you know, even like ideas for my stories or ideas for my own businesses, they were terrible. But I think just through practice and refining and editing, I've now come to a place where I think, oh, okay, this is an idea that's got legs this is something that's worth doing but it you know it's I've lived here for 13 years now so it's it's been a very slow process for me and I think it's certainly helped to being married to Ed who's this sort of very natural entrepreneur.
0: What do you wish you'd known at the start that you know now?
1: That time teaches you a lot like I, I remember you know as a cadet journo sitting in the newsroom and I'd look at some of the older journos and they would come in and they'd pitch these amazing stories and have these great ideas and these passions that they'd work on. And I just thought, wow, if I had to pitch, I have no idea, I have no idea what I could pitch. You know, I just sort of do my assigned stories. Um, But, and I I felt really sort of bad about, not bad about that. I just thought, wow, how can I be a, a, a journalist of value if I can't bring in any stories myself? But, you know, that was 20 whatever, three then. I knew nothing. You just learn things over time and there's no, there's no real rush. Like life is long and, and time is really valuable. That's, a, that's sort of a confusing thing, but I'd tell myself something like that. Like, don't worry, you don't have to have it all worked out now.
0: What do you consider your greatest achievement?
1: I think it is starting a magazine now that now at least is, you know, from a business point of view, successful. I I just feel, you know, and I mean, for the first four issues, we had no ads and I cannot tell you how many people said to me, you cannot have a magazine without advertising. You cannot start a magazine these days. You cannot start a magazine, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And I just feel really proud that I can say, well, actually, you can.
0: What do you think has been the key to your success?
1: Well, desperation and... um, (laughs) Resourcefulness, resourcefulness for sure. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I think my greatest skill is just um, the ability just to keep working. Uh, I don't think I am the most talented, or the mo- you know, but I will just keep going.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know you say I don't think I'm the most talented, but I do think you're incredibly talented. I think the magazine has been so successful not just because of your ability to curate beauty and um stories that connect people and a world that people aren't familiar with I I mean it's beautiful I think
1: but talent only gets you so far you know like of course yeah yes I do feel like I'm in the in this sort of job I mean I I feel like it's my calling you know that this is what I can be good at but talent I don't know it's it's what 10 percent I mean good ideas are easy I think but the actual execution, to me, is that's where the real work is. Do you have a life motto,
0: like something that you go back to or that keeps you keeps you going?
1: Well, you know, I I I had a blood test one day, um, and this lovely doctor said, "Oh, you'll never forget what blood type you are because it, this can now be your life motto." And then he said, with this really cheesy grin, "Be positive." <laughs> And I don't know why that is stuck in my head because it's just, you know, so cheesy. But I think that is my, I mean, I really value optimism and enthusiasm. I think it's so easy to be cynical and it's so easy to think that things are doomed. And there's something linked with optimism that maybe is like courage, you know, and willingness to give things a go. And yeah, I <laughs> doctor was strangely prophetic
0: what would be the best advice you've ever been given
1: probably from a friend who asked me have you ever thought about taking Lexapro (laughs) I am not kidding you that I mean I think um I didn't realize I was a very anxious person I thought I was actually quite cool calm and collected but I really really was and I mean I'm not out here to advertise taking medication medicine to anyone but my own experience it it changed my life I had no idea how anxious I was and how exhausting that was and how much time that took up and how oh I mean yeah so that was the best advice anyone's ever given me.
0: What would you tell someone living in regional Australia in wanting to start something up
1: Well, I think a trap that um, a lot of us in regional Australia can fall into is talking about how hard it is. You know, droughts, fires, floods, all these things, they're very real. And when you talk about them, you can really get people's attention. You know, you see it on the news, all that stuff really cuts through. But for me, that does regional Australia such a disservice to only talk about those things because how are we going to attract, you know, young, dynamic, exciting people to what really is, you know, for the most part, a fantastic world and a fantastic way of life? How are we going to attract them if all we talk about is the hard stuff? I mean, no doubt there are limitations, but there are limitations everywhere, you know, but if we focus on, I guess, the opportunities, I think that 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 would be really great for all of us. So I think, to anyone starting a business or anything like that in regional Australia yes there will definitely be some hard stuff like you know the distance geographically located you know all the, all that is tricky but I, I think it's um, maybe more exciting to sort of flip that around and how can that be an opportunity.
0: Who do you turn to when the going gets tough?
1: I feel like this is turning into this sort of sycophanty love letter to my <laughs> husband but it is Ed I mean A because there's no other adults anywhere near me <laughs> so so he's all I've got, but no, that's not true. I could pick up the phone. No, but really um, to Ed, I mean, I force him to read everything I write. I look at him and watch him reading, you know, waiting for him to laugh. Why aren't you laughing? Why aren't you laughing? And, um, and I mean, everything, I run everything by him and he just thinks really differently than I do. And he's very practical. So his advice is a really good balance, I think. You know, things I really struggle with, like I want to do all this other work. I also want to be a mother that is, you know, engaged with her children, not just sort of some absent figure in their lives. Uh, Then there's also, you know, the practical business of like washing and the dishes and like living not like an absolute heathen. And for me, there's not enough time in the world to do all those things. And Ed's been really great at reminding me or, or like helping me understand that life all this life especially for you know people like we're really lucky and you know it's it's a choice so i can't do everything if i want to work on galah and if i want to you know actually listen to what my kids have to say after school i'm probably not going to have time to make sure that the house is perfectly clean and he's like you've got to live with that you know you can't have everything all at the same time you have to prioritise and that's really helped me. Thank you Annie. Oh god pleasure.
0: That's it for this episode of Pep Talk. You can find the full interview on com. If you enjoyed this Pep Talk and you feel cheered on tell your friends and give us a great review. Pep Talk is produced in partnership with Weld Stories. I'm Caroline Hugel, see you again soon.